0: It will be, if not one of the largest TND developments around. More than its size, it's a rare combination of uses, and it's really kind of a self contained small town. The idea is that we're trying to create this sense of place, but to really bring it to life, um, the assets need to be programmed.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Alisant Innovator Series podcast. I'm April Lamont, CEO of Alisant, and today I am joined by Dan Grosswald from Mattamy. I'm excited to have him share more about um, himself and the work he's doing for them and the projects that are near and dear to his heart. Dan, welcome. And to start with, I would love to have you share more about yourself, your background, and kind of led you to where you are today
0: hi april thanks a lot for having me today i'm um, excited to share what's going on in my world down here i've been in home building for a long time you know it's been a uh, long journey with lots of turns and varied experiences and ups, ups and downs in the market i've been kind of unfortunately blessed with working with a few different builders along the way some uh, really big public builders which has kind of given me insight into a lot of different products and uh points of view and ways to manage a company and uh, leadership, uh, I've been lucky enough to work with people like Stuart Miller and Bob Toll, among some others to uh, kind of help me understand and I've developed my own point of view uh, taking a lot of things from them
1: along the way. Interesting. It, and perhaps there might be some stories that you could share with us, like comparing and contrasting, you know, being with a private builder now and and having worked on the publics is, what, what was your experience?
0: Well, you know, every one of these builders kind of has a different product segment that they work in. You know, Lenar was where I started my career at. It was primarily a entry level, low cost, uh, high volume builder, a very entrepreneurial company. And of course a public company that we had to report. So super, super uh, highly intense and very driven, you know, for results every, every single day, uh, you know, Toll Brothers, which was the second company I worked for, is extremely different. You know, it's um, a luxury community. I worked on high-end luxury golf courses, also a public company, but uh, motivated by a little bit uh, in a different way to maximize price, uh, a little less intense on volume, a lot of amenity-driven things. I, I worked on uh, several golf courses. I worked with Arnold Palmer, GT Rodriguez, Nikolaus family. So I got to see a lot of uh, interesting people. And, you know, Chichi Rodriguez was a lot of fun to work with. He was, he was like being with with the guys, having a beer. And the Nicklaus uh, family was uh, very formal and um, very precise about everything. And Arnold Palmer, he was like a celebrity. We opened a golf course with him one time. And he was probably already in his uh, mid to late sixties, but he had a following of ladies yeah. around there that just swarmed him on the golf course, even, even at that age. So he was a huge celebrity, but working with all these different product segments, you know, kind of prepared me for the future. Uh, I have insight and vision and experience at every level of product segmentation um, space making. So I think that was uh even though I wouldn't have planned to work for a, a bunch of different builders over the course of my career, um, there was a blessing in all of that, in that I was able to understand every buyer's needs, every housing need, and uh, ways to in- increase value and, and make make communities and projects work. But you know, the the public builders, as everybody knows, driven by quarterly results. Right. Every house matters. Every penny matters. Every quarter matters, whereas, you know, the private builders are able to take a much longer view. You know, they're more about value creation over the long term. It also enables the employees to live a a little bit of a different lifestyle. Like in a a public builder, if you miss a closing or two at the end of a quarter, you know, that's like uh, a deathly mistake. In a private company, if the home isn't ready and you need to push it to the next month, one quarter doesn't matter to another. So it enables employee to have a different lifestyle and makes it easier to do the right thing for the buyers as well, you know, to deliver a product that meets as a good product for the buyer without that pressure of time and cost uh, weighing on your decisions all the time.
1: It really is a different feeling. Having, having like you and parts of my career worked for prominent public companies, You know, there were quarter ends where we felt like we were burning the furniture to make sure we, we made numbers. And then again, of course, you've got to do it again three months later. So it, it does drive different decisions and that's an interesting contrast. I can see now why you are so uniquely positioned to, to really take on the future of Newfield. Could you tell us a little bit about that project and, and how that's going?
0: Yeah, Newfield, um, I think is a very unique project. And I know that's a cliche that a lot of people use, but I, I believe it's uh, appropriate for Newfield. It's really different than anything else in Florida for a lot of reasons, um, not the least of which is the size of it. You know, it's a fully integrated and immersed experience across all product lines. It involves sustainability and the legacy to preserve the land. Uh, those are not Elements that you find in a typical, you know, 100-unit townhome community, or even a 500-unit community, uh, and that's really related to the size and, and uh, condition of the land. It will be, you know, not if not one of the largest TND developments uh, around, but more than its size, it's a rare combination of uses, and it's really kind of a self-contained small town that uh, we're creating here. You know, it's all set in about uh, 3,411 acres. There's 4,200 homes, 150,000 square feet of restaurants and stores. There's also 2 million square feet of uh, light industrial complex. And of that 3,411 acres, 2,000 approximately 2,000 acres are set aside for preserves, um, and 150 acre farm and ranch. So, as you can see, see, just by the physical description of it, it is really a different place that uh, I, I can't think of another place anywhere that has that combination of of uses. The sustainable farms, you know, uh, really integral into the community because it's a it's a in a way to allow people to connect with the farm. But more importantly, connect with food. You know, we all have a very strong relationship with food. Of course, every day we're with we food, but the sustainable farm is going to help people get that food at its freshest point, where it has its highest degree of nutrients, right from the farm to their fork, as people uh, people like to say, and in a, learn about food in a healthy way. But it also provides them to learn about farming. Everybody thinks farming is something that they wanna be, they all want everybody wants to be a farmer until they find out how hard it is, and how dirty you have to get. So we've structured a farm in a way that's um, gonna allow people to in, uh, interact with the farm at the particular level that they feel comfortable. And then we've also added this element that we call agretainment. So you're going to be able to be entertained in a farm setting uh, with the elements of the farm and the certain parts of it. The preserve is, uh, has already been used over the years for um, hiking and trails and horseback riding. And we're going to extend that network of uh, 20 miles of trails that are already there and improve them in a way that it's accessible to, all, to the public. And, um, it's going to be a unique place where people can commune with nature. Just, you know, steps from their from their house within a few minutes, they can walk out of their house and be in an isolated area that feels like it's untouched for, for what it is. We've also created in the center of it, a gopher tortoise receiver site, which is first of its kind in Martin County. So gopher tortoises are in their natural habitat in Florida especially in South Florida, if you find gopher tortoises on your property, you have to capture them and move them to another, st- another site so they can be preserved, which creates a little bit of a hazard by changing their exact environment from South Florida to say, North Florida. So this is gonna be great for the tortoises and in, in their survival and preservation, but it's also gonna be a place that people can learn about tortoises and the environment in the preserve area. And of course, at the heart of Newfield is the uh, town center which contains the shops and restaurants and plazas. And in this community, everything is within minutes of uh, in a, in a walk or a bike ride. So you can go right downtown, walk downtown, have a meal, have a drink and walk right back home and uh, be in your house. So it's really um, the essence of what the community is at, at Newfield.
1: That's an amazing project, and I agree with you. It sounds unique, certainly in its breath. Let's talk a little bit more about the homes themselves. You've talked about the traditional neighborhood um, design, the t component. What is the vision of how that actually gets expressed in terms of the housing product and how people are going to live um, live in those homes?
0: So I, I think t and is a fairly well-known concept um, on its surface. But people, a lot of people, even people in the industry, you know, they don't understand the full extent of, of what it is and how it works you know, it's all set up around this idea of transect zones which essentially means in the center of town everything is dense and close together the highest in the uses and intensity is at the center and as you spread out from the center things get further and further apart until you get to the preserves where there's no density so that that is kind of the first element of tnd The second thing about TND is that everything is walkable or bike ride. So for instance, we have six amenities planned, six clubhouses planned. There's a series of parks. There's probably 20 or 30 smaller little parks. We have a central park that's 40 acres, also close to the the center of the community. And the idea that you can travel from one place to another uh, and be at a park or be at an amenity within uh, seven to 10 minutes. Or B in the downtown is really also a critical element of of T and then the homes themselves, you know, are designed in a way that they're forward facing. Everything faces the streets and the sidewalks, uh, faces p- plazas and pedestrian areas. So the homes are designed with the garages in the back, and the port and most of the homes have porches and the and the living areas. They call it eyes on the street are in a focus to the front. So everybody has, they're encouraged to walk through the neighborhood. They're also encouraged to sit in the front of their house, creating this sense of community where people know each other. They know their neighbors. Everybody's friendly. The homes aren't divided into price points or ranges or styles. Everything is together. So you might have a very expensive home next to a mid-price home next to a town home. So everybody really is encouraged to live together and know each other and participate in the community together which makes it kind of a special place and you know truthfully it's not for everybody but 20 to 30 percent of buyers would strongly consider a teenage uh tnd community and those people are avid uh endorsers of tnd so they're willing to pay a premium to be in that kind of community because they know they can't get it anywhere so that, that's the that's the essence of uh, of the TND, the streetscape, the porches. Nothing is gated, uh, nothing is segregated, and everything is forward facing into the community.
1: You know, in our conversations leading up to the recording today, you were really transparent in in sharing some of the obstacles or challenges that. Um, that you needed to overcome to get the project started, to get Newfield really out of the ground and get started. Can, can you share some of those with us?
0: Sure. Um, well, Martin County has been a no-growth uh, county for ever, basically. Um, one of our consultants has dubbed the people of Martin County as crunchy conservatives. They're very conservative in their, in their political views and their budgets but they're uh, staunch advocates of the environment as well. So it's a kind of an interesting combination, which leads to you know a lot of problems for a developer. If so, um, not since the 80s has anything of this magnitude been approved in Martin County. So just to put it in perspective for the last 50 years, nothing has been approved of any size or, or, or um, proportion. So the owner of the property is the um, Kiplinger family. They are a publishing family you might have heard of the Kiplinger newsletter right. from years ago, or I think out of Maryland. So they have owned this property uh, for quite a few uh, years, and they've lived in Martin County for generations. But Knight uh, Kiplinger, the patriarch of the family, currently had a vision uh, for the community. Um, most of the the Martin County is planned for these like five acre ranchettes which is really kind of a different kind of urban sprawl and he he is familiar with these TND communities so he embarked on a seven-year journey of uh, publicizing his ideas and sharing his ideas he knocked literally knocked on doors talked to anybody that would listen uh presented to the commission took input uh from the public shaped his idea but for seven years he presented this and he finally was able to get it approved and all the, the major approvals are in place and something called a form based code this code which defines the development is specifically approved for newfield and we are able to work within the context of that code which is also a unique thing about the community from a, a developer's perspective so even though it's approved you know uh, we came in to take over the project and we've kept him on board as our kind of our spiritual leader and guide into uh, into to uh his vision, some people call it night vision, to life. And uh, we're still struggling. You know, the county is undermanned and uh, there's a lot of uh, difficulty in getting things approved, but we are underway. We have a lot of meetings with the county. We have uh, our own large staff on board uh, through consultants, political advisors, uh, engineers. And it's a constant push every day. Uh, we have one person, uh, James Fitzgerald, who's directly uh, assigned to, you know, uh, shepherd this through. So it's been it's been a long journey, to, and we haven't even started a model yet, but we are under development. And um, we've started the farm. We've started making improvements in the uh, preserve. The, the tortoise receiver site is built, but every day it's like every every single day working with the county staff trying to. Uh, to get them to, uh, to work with us and allow us to build something that's already approved.
1: Yeah. And I know in talking with your team that, you know, a lot of the initial efforts have been to try and draw the community into the project, I guess, maybe to assuage any fears or trepidation. Can you maybe talk a little bit more about that?
0: Yeah, community outreach, you know, Knight has uh, started that community outreach and uh, we've continued that. So in, in uh, part of our strategy is to uh, develop the farm and the preserves first, even before the homes. Um, it's a little bit self-serving, but um, there's, you know, the three pillars of the marketing strategy are the preserves, the farm and the, and the community itself. And uh, so we've branded the farm separately. So we have a farmers market um, every month, weather allowing, and um, by doing that, we bring the community into the farm and into Newfield, and they they fall in love with the farm aspect of Newfield, and they feel good about it, and they feel supportive of our project. Same thing with the trails. You know, we have developed three and a half miles of trails that are uh, multi-purpose trails. Some of it we left untouched, but this part is specifically designed as a loop for, you know, uh, public use. And we do events in the trails and people come and then we did a fun run and raise money for charity. So people are interacting with the preserve and they're falling in love with Newfield and they feel supportive of Newfield. So we don't have people showing up at our hearings mm-hmm. or writing letters saying bad things about Newfield. Instead, they're writing great things about Newfield. They're writing, wow, you wouldn't believe how fun the farmer's market was. Or I can't believe what Mattamy doing in the preserves They're really doing what they said they were going to do. And the preserves are beautiful, so in that way, it's supportive of our other efforts to get approvals and um, you know build streets and, and houses and uh, commercial centers.
1: Back to your point about Martin County having been a no-growth area, this must feel very different for the broader community, the broader citizens of the county. And it sounds like you're doing great work to help build the trust um, and support. That you need to to keep the project moving.
0: Yeah, we have. Um, so we haven't really started advertising the homes yet. Uh, we haven't even done coming soon or any any type of advertising like that. But through the use of uh, you know what Knight did, and through our our developing of the farm and the preserves, we have over five thousand people on our interest list already, and um, I think the vast majority of them are fans of Newfield just based on the farm and the preserve so far.
1: Great job. Let, let's focus on the programming component. I mean, you've talked about creating these brands, their contribution to the overall project lifestyle, both for the broader community and, and soon for the people that live there. Share with us a little bit more about how you're thinking about um, the programming and where it fits in terms of the hierarchy of the work you're doing.
0: Yeah, well, the I think the physical elements that I've described, and they're only a very brief description of what's happening here, uh, they're really impressive, you know, and, you know, the ideas that we're trying to create this sense of place, but, uh, and I think that's working for us and will continue to work for us in the physical manifestation, manifestation of Newfield. but to really bring it to life, um, the assets need to be programmed. And I think by only only by the programming, are we able to realize the full value of this asset over the course of time? You know, uh, people want to feel good when they're there, they want to feel like they're having a good time and they're making connections, whether it be with food or the preser- or nature or each other. And that's not going to happen without the programming. So, um, we've enlisted a few, uh, experts, I will say in different areas, you know, we have on place, uh, who's really, uh, well-known and good at programming, um, you know, uh, clubhouses and communities and downtowns. And we've already been working with them even before construction so that we are able to build things in a way that when they uh, launch the programming for us, that will be perfect and be married to the programming that they want to do. And they feel is the best way to utilize it. So we worked with them in advance to give us advice on, on architectural design and layout and how we can use that. Um, so th- they've been great with that. The other thing that we've done is we hired a community, a company called Agmenity out of Houston and, um, actually OnPlace brought these people to us. Um, so Agmenity is a company that is kind of a, um, a, uh, It's a farm management company, but also they do farm programming. They do programming about how to farm, but they also do programming around food. And we've also hired them early on in the process to help us design our farm so that it can be utilized in the best possible way. Uh, so that's also been a fantastic relationship. You know, we'll have a full-time farmer. Uh, I put it in quotes. He's legitimately a farmer, but he's also the face of the farm. You know, he's Mr. Newfield Farmer, and he's going to interact with the public and do the programming there while he makes sure that the crop grows. But um, the farm, through their advice and through our own vision, the farm is structured at different levels. Where the farm is meets the center of town is the I would call the least intense farming activity. It's more of a social area in a farm setting. Uh, we're going to create something called a CSA, which is a, a way for people in the community to share the food that's produced by the farm that are members of this association and uh, um, share, share in the sustainable food that's produced from the farm. So there'll be a building for that. There'll be a large area, uh, grass area, surrounded by uh, flower beds and uh, herb beds. And then a giant barn at the other end. So this creates a, a, a farm setting plaza where we'll have, you know, entertainment. Uh, we might have uh, music. People could get married there if they want, or you know, renew their vows there. Right in this little gazebo that looks like a farm structure, or the, that's a stage for the band. And then as you progress deeper into the farm, which is farther away, you know, Agmeny is going to have a teaching center where you can learn how to grow your own food. Now, not everybody wants a 10-acre plot of land, but some people want a, a little bed, you know, and so we'll ma- help them manage that and provide a higher level of service. And then there'll be, um, you know, other areas where people could get a few acres or an acre to kind of grow their own food if they really want to be farmers. And it's going to be a few minutes from their house. And then finally, another thing that's really important to uh, Matt me is that we always give back to the community. You know, we we... Part of our core this this pro one great thing about this project i maybe i should have mentioned it sooner is that the 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 type of project that we're building here is perfectly aligned with the core values of the company and uh, the owners and leadership of the company so not every company is going to want to do a sustainable farm you know not every company is going to want to create a community where people interact with each other some companies are just going to want to make their quarter numbers but these elements completely and directly aligned with the core values of matter, which really is helpful in in bringing it to life. But back to the farm. The other thing is giving back to the community, we are dedicating a few acres to the Boys and Girls Club uh, in Martin County. So Martin County uh, Boys and Girls Club, they have uh, training for um, kids on how to be a chef or prepare food or work in the hospitality industry. And they also do agricultural training so this dedicated area just for the Boys and Girls Club is going to allow them to give a real world laboratory to these young underprivileged kids and help them learn and grow and become, um, you know, uh, productive people in society once they, you know, they graduate from high school or whatever they do. And Boys and Girls Club and Madammy is really going to be helpful in doing that. So the farm serves the community in a lot of different ways. It's an entertainment center and. Um, Agmenity is going to help us uh, develop all this programming and manage all this program for it and really bring it to life. That's so. That's the farm.
1: Yeah, and there's more.
0: <laughs> yeah. So the also uh, one street over is the town center. The town center is going to be surrounded by this uh, 150,000 square feet of commercial. We're in the process of planning and getting ready to develop the first 50,000 square feet. Uh, these are small spaces that are going to be uh, rented to local uh, businesses who are uh, serve the public. You know, it could be you know the local services and and goods served to the public, and also restaurants. And in the center of this plaza is a very very large green space. So that large green space will be programmed with uh, events by On Place. You know, it can be food truck Friday, or it can be, you know, veterans day, uh, salute to the veterans, or it can just let's play, have a cornhole tournament, um, this weekend and everybody from the community meets out there. And, um, we've designed that to, uh, be programmed, um, through on place. And then a little deeper into the community, we have uh, a requirement to build what's known as a third place and 50% of that will be a library. And 50% of that will be a public gathering space. So that's a private public private partnership with the uh the county uh you know bring all kinds of other activities more i guess um intellectual and emotional satisfying activities and um you know we don't know anything about that because we're builders <laughs> so on place is gonna help us uh <laughs> on place is gonna help us uh, program all that kind of stuff plus there's uh six other amenities we have a um a, a fitness center will be one of the first thing about 8,000 square feet of fitness and On Place will be helping us manage that. We'll have a social hall and they're all scattered so that we can maintain this walkability that everybody can be within six or seven minutes of of their workout facility and help them, encourage them to be more healthy, which is, you know, part of the core element of our community and that's branding.
1: Well, this sounds fantastic and I I imagine it won't be long before we see Newfield on the 50 fastest growing lists um, based on everything that you've described, what what kind of timing are you looking at in terms of how this is all going to come together? I mean, you know, sort of, I know it's a little bit of a lot of pieces in motion, but kind of give us a sense of what timing looks like.
0: Well, as I alluded to earlier, we, the farm is already the small portion of the farm is already developed and that's ongoing and it's active. We've done events with the boys and girls club. We've had the farmer's market. Um, we have some other, other things that happen there as well as the preserve, you know, and those things are identified and branded early as I described, and they're going to continue to grow over the next, you know, it's a, it's a term project. It's, you know, 10, 15 year project, and those will continue to grow uh, ahead of the community. We, as I mentioned, we have started development of the, of the, uh, the, the most dense part of the community. Um, it's called Rosette Square. It's the center of the community, which wraps around the farm. So we are under development for the first 180 homes, which will be composed of uh, townhomes, twin villas, narrow homes, uh, up to uh, larger homes, up to 4,000 or so square feet. There's also an apartment uh, opportunity for uh, build to rent apartments in the center of town, more associated with the town center. So we are uh, in the planning phase of the town center. And as soon as that planning is done, uh, we will begin to develop the town center. So I would say within a year, we will open for sales for homes, the showcase, the central part of the farm will be open at the same time the models are open and the town center will be ready to begin its development so within a year it's going to dramatically change it's going to be a completely different place right now the properties uh, a big portion of the property is actively farmed, and it looks like it's just a giant farm right now as you drive by it and within a year you'll see the farm the barn the csa building the models some you know a couple hundred homes will be uh, up and running and the town center will be developed
1: Sounds good. Well, we'll be all watching your progress and I'm sure there'll be a long list of people anxious to come and take a look in person. Well, this feels like a good point, Dan, to segue and talk a little bit more about you. There's two questions that we ask all of our podcast guests. I'd love to get your feedback as well. The first is, you know what are the sources of inspiration that you look to to stay sharp and on, on you know, on, on the top of your game. You got a lot going on, and um, you know, we know that we all need some fuel in the tank to continue to perform at such a high level. What what are your sources of inspiration?
0: Well, that's uh, kind of an interesting question. You know, when when I got into home building uh, a long time ago, it wasn't my first job. But uh, somewhere along the line, I real, I was actually a, a commodities broker at one point early in my life, and uh, it was a well-paying job and um, you know kind of a high-profile flashy job, but it wasn't really satisfying. And uh, for me, uh, physically changing the world, uh, doing something that is meaningful, providing a shelter for people in its most basic form, is something that to me is very satisfying. And, uh, that's, that's really why I got into home building more than any other reason, but back then, you know, I, I can remember in the beginning of my career, I read every magazine I could find, you know, there should be something called pro builder or builder magazine. And, uh, I would go, I was in college, I would go into the library and just read every edition of builder magazine, but the world's changed a lot since then, you know, um, so now. Uh, everything's on the internet, of course. And, you know, LinkedIn is actually, you know, I know it sounds a little, uh, trite perhaps, but LinkedIn is a good source to like, open your eyes to something that's new or possible. So I have a lot of connections there and I follow certain people. You know, one of my, uh, favorite management philosophers is a guy named Ray Dalio. He was actually a investment, um, person. And uh, I, he, he he publishes a lot of things, uh, books that I've read, but I just like his uh, uh, philosophy of management. It's really just like, just just sort of focusing on the reality of what's happening, putting a lot of the emotional BS aside and politics aside, and just like focus on what makes a difference in your work, in the lives of the people around you, and uh, what, the, what the goal is ahead of you. But, you know, also a lesson to. Uh, something called Masterclass. And there's a lot of different people on that that are very interesting to me. And, um, you know, TED Talks is another thing that I like to listen to a lot. I think it's always good also, you know, in trying to keep fresh and sharp is don't pigeonhole yourself into home building knowledge, right? It's like you can gain a lot of perspective and understanding of things from something completely unrelated to your field that's why I like Ted talks is because it always think, makes me think of different things that, you know, have t- somebody talking about something completely unrelated. And I think listening to it, I always try to relate it to my situation or what I do um, personally and professionally. And it gives me kind of a, um, a different perspective, which I think helps me be sharper and more active and different uh, than other people that are doing the same thing that I'm doing. But I'm just doing it a little bit different way because I, I get things from a different source. You know and I and I love architecture that's really why I got into it so I I like to still learn about you know what's happening with architecture you know I um, Frank Lloyd Wright was my favorite architect when I was in eighth grade and I wanted to be an architect because of him and so I still look at th- work that he's he did and other people do and who's the new guy and so that that's also a big inspiration for me as far as uh, that and I like I, I still like to learn. Um, you know, during the downturn in 2008, uh, the company they worked for went bankrupt. It wasn't my fault. <laughs> I swear. Um, <laughs> I was actually the COO of the company at the time and, uh, we had a lot of private bank loans and, uh, the owners of the company was owned by a public company as an investment. And they decided they didn't want to, there wasn't a good investment anymore. So they shut down this company and fired 600 people. But I decided to go back to school and I got a master's degree during the downturn. And um, also I had three, three new kids. I don't know if that was related to the downturn or not, but I did have a lot of downtime. So the learning, the continuous learning is a great thing. And uh, relearning things, you know, I were like, when I did my master's degree, I learned how to write again. You know, I had forgotten a lot of things about how to write and I became a good writer again, I think, where I got sloppy and I learned different degrees of finance that I had never thought of before and, You know uh, the world's changed you know the world in an international way has changed so going back to school or taking a class is a good way to learn about what's happening in the world today that you won't otherwise get if you're just sitting at home or maybe just reading a book or scrolling through the internet so that's really kind of how i i continue to stay fresh and active and i've been lucky enough to meet some really great people over time. Like I said, it's been a blessing and a curse to work for a bunch of different companies, but I've also met a lot of great people, you know, and um, I think staying in contact with people and keeping those relationships up and finding out what they're doing and what they're seeing is just another great way to learn and keep fresh and um, think about things in a different way that maybe you don't think about. So the, the personal relationships that you develop over time are super important you know, in your own personal happiness and development, I think also.
1: Great points. The, the last question may feel a bit redundant because I think there's a lot of really great wisdom in, in what you've shared so far in terms of staying fresh and current and, and um, inspired. But the, the question we typically close with is what advice would you give the 25-year-old version of yourself? you know, knowing what you know
0: in your system. Well, that person had a lot of problems (laughs) and I wish I could be there for that person. But uh, no, seriously, I think, you know, when you're young uh, and ambitious and want to do well, um, I think the biggest thing for people that age and myself in particular is uh, patience, you know, Um, and expectations, especially in today's world you know i think young people have uh, certain expectations set through the media maybe that aren't realistic mm-hmm. but um i was very lucky uh to be in the right place at the I, I feel like i have certain talents and abilities that you know are god-given if you will and those i was just born with but and i also feel like i'm a driven hard-working person as a lot of people are but the other thing is like you cannot determine the circumstances that you find yourself in all the time so that hard work and natural ability has has to meet with everything at the right time in the right place and some people might call that luck or you know serendipity or whatever but those all those things have to come together and a young person often doesn't realize that you those circumstances you cannot create all the time They, they just happen so for instance when i first started my career i actually started as a construction manager and um Uh, hurricane hit and um, we had to rebuild 600 homes, you know, in the company that I was working for at the time. Well, uh Oh, we need more managers. So, hey, Dan, you want to be a manager? Yes. I did not create that hurricane. I did not create that opportunity, but they recognized my hard work and natural ability and they gave me that promotion. Well, within three years, I became a division president because one thing led to another to another. And I was able in the right place at the right time and I got promoted very quickly. So I had this expectation that that, there would be a linear progression. By the time I was 35, I would be running the world. Well, those circumstances, opportunities didn't come around as often. And I became very unhappy and very impatient. So I just tell young people, tell myself, is like work as hard as you can. Learn everything you can. Be prepared to take advantage of opportunities. You can't force it. I find people today are switching jobs every 20 minutes when they don't get exactly what they want or my boss was mean to me and I'm not gonna work here anymore. It's like, maybe that's true, but if you're in a circumstance where you can learn a lot and get ahead, you might wanna put up with that boss for a little longer until you're in a position to make a move to a better place. So I think that sort of patience and understanding of what is the expectations that are uh, possible um, are something that I would tell myself if I could go back in time.
1: Patience is a tough one, right? It's par- it partially comes with age and wisdom, but it's a great discipline to start cultivating really at any age. And I love- the way
0: Yeah, my dad used to tell me wisdom is three parts. It's knowledge, um, it's judgment, which is something you're bored with. And the third thing is experience. And that just takes a little bit of time and you're not gonna develop that wisdom without a little bit of time and experience.
1: That's a fine punctuation point there on this whole topic. Well Dan, this has been fascinating. You um, are very gracious to spend this time with us today. I know people are very curious about this project. So I really think it's great that you went a little more in depth and, and really sharing what's coming. And um, being transparent about the challenges—it's both taken to get where you are today, and and also you know the candor around. You know, th- we expect there's still to be challenges, and how you're um, working really hard um, as part of the fabric of the community to to overcome them. So, thank you so much.
0: Well, thank you for having me. It was uh, an honor to be able to present Newfield. It's a it's a great community and I can't wait till it becomes a reality in the very near future.
1: Wonderful. Best of luck to you. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Allison Innovator Series. If you like what you heard, be sure to explore our back catalog of episodes for more insightful commentary from the best and brightest innovators in our industry. Be sure to follow, subscribe, rate and review on whatever platform you use to listen to the show. All of that will help to increase the visibility of this program, which we hope will inspire a new generation of innovators.
0: Tired of losing key fobs? The solution is Alessant Azul, a scalable access control platform to enhance your residents' experience. With a simple installation, it works instantly, giving your residents mobile access to unlock amenities and spaces. No more fobs, just convenience at your fingertips. Visit alessant.com to discover how Alessant Azul is revolutionizing access control.